welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. There was a lady who was going shopping in New York City, and she came across this new store that she didn't recognize before, and the name of the store was called The Husband Store. It was a five-story building, and she, being a single woman, kind of was curious about this, so she walked into the husband's store. And as she walked into the first floor, she was greeted by a voice that said, Welcome to the husband's store. Each one of the floors is filled with men that can potentially be your husbands. But there's one catch. If you go up a floor, you cannot go back down the floor. On the first floor, all of the husbands have a steady income. Now, the lady thought, well, that's a pretty basic kind of requirement of a husband, right? Having a steady income. I better go up to the second floor and see what they have available on the second floor. She gets to the second floor. She's greeted by a voice that says, welcome to the second floor. All the husbands on this floor have a steady income and are great with children. She's like, well, that's pretty good. But I mean, hey, there's three more floors to go. Let's go up and see what the next upgrade is. So she goes up to the third floor. She says, welcome to the third floor. All the husbands on this floor have a steady income, are great with kids, are incredibly understanding and sensitive. She's like, this just keeps getting better. I mean, this would be a really great husband possibly to, to, to have for mine, but there's still two more floors, right? So I better go up to the fourth floor and see what's going to happen. So she gets to the fourth floor. She says, welcome to the fourth floor. All the husbands on this floor have a steady income. They're great with kids. They're incredibly understanding and sensitive, and they all love to shop. Well, now she's totally intrigued, and she's like, this is probably where I'm going to jump off because, man, there's, these guys are the guys that I want. But there's still one more floor. I mean, it keeps getting better. I better go up to the next floor. So she goes up to the fifth floor. As she enters the fifth floor, she's greeted by a voice that says, Congratulations. You are the 1,378,566 visitor to this floor. Unfortunately, there are no husbands on this floor because the man you're looking for doesn't exist. <laughs> and all God's women said, amen, right? <laughs> if you're a guest or joining us online, we've been in a series called The Bride. And what we've been talking about are these four significant moments in the history of humanity. The first one was the creation where God created everything in perfection, unity, and harmony which led us to the second event, was where we as people looked at God and said, I think we can do it better. And in that moment, our creation was broken. We became a fallen and broken world. But at that exact same moment, God began pursuing mankind, saying, no, I want to have a relationship with you. And he established a family which became a nation, which became a kingdom of the nation of Israel. And the culmination of that was the birth of Jesus Christ, which led us to our third event, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we said as soon as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, everything changed. And this broken creation has now begun the fact of restoration in the kingdom of God. And how the fourth event is going to be when Jesus eventually returns to planet Earth. When he sets everything right and paradise is again restored. And that moment is called the wedding of the Lamb. We've been talking about Revelation 19 verse 7. So be on the screen behind me. Let's One more time, church. Let's read this out loud together. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb, Jesus has come, and his bride has made herself ready. As we live in this time between the resurrection of Jesus and his second coming, we are to live as a bride preparing for her moment, moment of wedding. But not just the wedding, but we also want to prepare 
for the marriage, the eternity that we have with Christ. What does that look like? How do we live? And we've been walking through each week. And again, if you're a guest, you can go to our website, yankton.church, listen to our podcast. But real quick, I just want to kind of catch you up previously on the bride. The first week we talked about that word sin. Sin always follows a path that starts with I wanted, I saw, I wanted, I took, and I hid. That's the path that sin falls. And sin always impacts other people. There's no such thing as a victimless sin. It affects you and everyone around you. And God said every sin will eventually be exposed. Whatever is hidden will be brought into the light. Which brings us to the second word that we talked about the next week is the word salvation. Where we take our sin, we take it to God, we turn from it, and we trust in Jesus. And I said, don't delay, turn away. Sin is what causes the broken relationship with God that we need to restore. And that's where salvation comes in. And the third week, we talked about our word salty. And if you missed that week, I encourage you to go back and watch it because how should we as followers of Jesus Christ act towards those who are not believers? How should we respond? What should we do? Well, we need to be salty, full of grace and seasoned with salt. We're to be prayerful, watchful and thankful, making the most of every opportunity to be the salt of the earth. And last week, we answered the question, how should we act towards fellow believers? Those of us who say we follow Jesus, how should we interact? And I think Annie did a fantastic job walking us through, and we talked about our shape. And if you missed that, again, go back and watch it. But the key that Annie said that I don't want you to miss is, once you give your life to Jesus Christ, it's no longer about you. Save people, serve people. That's what we are to do as the followers of Jesus Christ. And next week, we're actually going to be wrapping up the series next week. But today, being Mother's Day, we're going to kind of take a little, not a pause on the series, but I think it really fits with the series. But we're going to talk about another S word. If you notice, they're all S's. We're going to talk about today, since it's Mother's Day, we want to talk about our sisters. And what I mean by that is all of our ladies in the room. And we want to, want to talk about that. And we're going to talk about women and what that looks like in the church. Now, there's probably no more controversial topic in the church when it comes to the role of women in the church. And you're going to hear lots of different views and lots of different opinions on that. If you go to culture and you ask culture, how does the Bible and how does the church view women, you're probably going to get a very negative view. They're going to probably say that women are very oppressed and and very disregarded. And if that's the case, or if you maybe heard that or felt that, I I just want to encourage you. I'm not sure which Bible you're reading, (laughs) because our Bible doesn't say that. And we're going to unpack that today. I'm going to show you some of those things today. But even the role of women in church when it comes to churches, sometimes you get different views. Sometimes there's denominations that might say, well, women can do this, but they can't do this. Or women are that, and they can't do this. And I'm sure maybe you've heard that or seen that. I just want to let you know that as our church, we're the Wesleyan church and we're Wesleyan denomination. And our view of women is very, we believe that women can serve in any role in the church. And some of you might disagree with that and that's okay, but we're going to unpack that because here's what I'm saying. If you're here today and you're a female, I believe you have a lot of gifts of the body of Jesus Christ that we want to learn from and we want to walk through that together. So if you got your Bibles, which I hope you have, go ahead and turn to Numbers chapter 27. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. Um, there's also a free v- app called Uversion. Any smartphone or device, you can download it right now. We want to be in God's Word. But as you're going to Numbers 27, I want to set this up for you if you're not familiar with the story. Basically, the, there's Moses who was leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. We talked about this in our Jordan River Rules series. Um, but they're going to go to the Promised Land. But on the way, the people kept grumbling, kept complaining. And in fact, they finally got to a point where they made the statement where they said, it'd be better for us to die in the wilderness 
than to have to listen to what God says. And God looked at the people and said, thy will be done. You can go ahead and die in the wilderness, but your children who you thought would be taken captive, those are going to come and they're going to go to the promised land and they're going to inherit that. And so for 40 years, the people were wandering in the wilderness, preparing to take the land, which is we walked through with our Jordan River Rules series. Well, during this time, and in Numbers 27, there was a guy named Zelophad. And for the rest of the message, instead of calling him Zelophad, we're just going to call him Zel, all right? Here's the thing with Zel. Zel had five daughters. And in Numbers 27, verse 1, it lists the name of the five daughters. And Zel had five daughters and no sons. How many daughters did he have? And no sons, right? Now, I don't know about you or what your family dynamic was growing up, but I had two sisters growing up and no brothers, all right? So I was the youngest and the only boy. So in case you didn't know, I haven't done anything wrong my whole life, okay? <laughs> they might disagree with that, but, and then when, when I got married to Elaine, Elaine and I have two boys and no girls, okay? So I have a very unique perspective on this and, and understanding. Again, I don't know what your family dynamic was growing up or currently, but I, I didn't have any daughters. Zell had five daughters, okay, and no sons. And Zell's daughters, in verse 2, they had a problem. And they came to Moses. Let's read Numbers 27, verse 2. Zell's five daughters stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the leaders, and the whole assembly at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. Now, the first thing I want to point out about Zell's daughters is they're doing something really good here. They're taking their problem to the right place. They're not gossiping about it. They're not building a little coalition, right? They're not being passive-aggressive. They said, listen, we have a problem, and we want to take it directly to, in a sense, the church, which is what was the church was at that time, Moses, the priest, and the people. And here's Zell's daughter's problems, verse 3. Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among Kor's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sins and left no sons. See, right after the part, just to kind of back up for you, when it talks about Kor's rebellions, right after the part where God looked at the children of Israel and said, okay, thy will be done, you will die in the desert after 40 years, and your children will come take the land, there was a group of people that rose up and said, hey, we're actually going to go try to do it on our own. Because <laughs> we can do things without God, right? We, we were so powerful, if we can go in there without God and try it, and it didn't go well. And some of those people were part of that. Zell, fortunately for Zell, was not part of that. But Zell was part of the generation who did sin. So after 40 years, at some point along the journey, Zell died. And Zell had how many daughters? And no? Okay. This is the problem that they have. So this is what happened. When you have no son in that area, they would have no inheritance. But they didn't just give the problem. See, Zell's daughters actually offered a solution, which I was very impressed with. Verse 4. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan? Because he had no son. Give us property among our father's relatives. Now, why was that so significant? See, to that point in the nation of Israel, and really throughout human history, only men were allowed to own property. Women were not only not allowed to view property, women were in some ways actually seen as nothing more than property. So for Zell's daughters to come before Moses and say, listen, my father didn't have any sons, instead of just wiping his name off, how about you give that property to us, was a pretty radical statement to make. So the question is, how did Moses respond to Zell's daughters? What did he do? Well, he looked at them and said, of course not, you're women, my job is to oppress you. I'm kidding, that's not what Moses said, okay? But that's what people who say the Bible's oppressive would think he would say. He'd say, no, you're women, you have to keep in your place. All right? Now, he didn't say that either. 
You with me on this? How did Moses respond to this? And this is so important. Moses does something so important that I think we can blow past it when we read this. But this is exactly what we need to do. Numbers 27, verse 5. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. Church, whenever you're uncertain about something, whenever you're kind of a new territory, whenever you're kind of unsure about what to do, you know where a really good place to start is? (laughs) Take it to the Lord. See, Moses is looking at Zell's daughter saying, listen, these are righteous women. They're not gossiping about it. They're not being selfish. They're not being petty. They brought it to us in a very appropriate way, and they said, listen, here's a problem. Here's a solution we have. God, what do you think? And this is why, and what is written next, (laughs) I've been trying to come up with a way to communicate it so you'll understand it, but what is written next is so radical, so in its way crazy, that I think every person, if you're a female, should be a follower of Jesus Christ just because of this one verse, all right? So I want to show you exactly what God says. Numbers 27, verse 6, this is so radical. And the Lord said to Moses, what Zell's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and give their father inheritance to them. And for the first time in recorded human history, for the first time in the nation of Israel, women were given the right to own their own property. And the crazy part about this is not that this is not just a one-time situation. This is not just an exemption for this one cause. No, look at what verse uh, verse 7 says in chapter 27. Say to the Israelites, if a man dies and leaves no son, give his inheritance to his daughter. Moses established a law in the nation of Israel that would stand throughout the rest of the kingdom of Israel. That if a man had no daughters or had no sons and died, that the daughters, the women, were actually allowed to have property. Do you see how radical that was? Not only in today's world, but in that first century, back in that era, it was crazy to think about. Now, some critics might still push back on that and say, well, yeah, sure, but if the sons had it, then the sons got it, but I guess the women by default would get the property, right? Pastor, everybody look right here. You have to understand the fact that women were viewed as property back then. For God to say to Moses, give these daughters property, give them the right to own property, is just as radical as if today we were to say, if somebody dies, you can leave your house to your dog, okay? Now, we would all laugh and smile at that, right? That's how women were viewed back then. They were viewed no differently than cattle and livestock. By doing this with Zell's daughters, don't miss this, church, God was establishing the human dignity of every single woman. God was communicating to Moses, the nation of Israel, and I would contend the entire, all of creation, that women have the right to be treated as human beings. It was the beginning of the restoration of the creation, the paradise that God had created, and God validated the human dignity of every single woman. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? So let me ask you a question, church. How do you view women? When you think about women, how do you view them? And and just for a moment here, I I just want to talk to all the guys in the room. Okay, ladies, you can listen in, all right? (laughs) But but I'm going to talk specifically to guys in the room. Guys, how do you view women? 
Do you see them as the weaker sex? Do you just see them as objects of your pleasure for visual or, or physical pleasure? Do you see women as your servants, like your mom, and you, know, you just kind of grow up and your wife takes over the mom role? Is that how you see women? How do you view women? But a better question is, as followers of Jesus Christ, living in the time between the resurrection and the second coming of Christ, how do we, as followers of Jesus Christ, as men who say we follow Jesus Christ, how should we view women? And guys, to help us with this, I've got three passages for you. And ladies, again, you can look at these two, all right? But, but these are specifically for guys. Galatians 3.28, it'll be on the screen behind us. You might want to write these down. I'm going to go kind of quick through this part. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Do you know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying the same thing that Moses said in the desert to Zell's daughters. He understood that passage. He got it. He is saying, listen, women are valid as human beings. And when it comes to the kingdom of God that God is reestablishing from his broken creation, women are seen as heirs according to the promise of God in the same way that Zell's daughters were seen as heirs in the property. You with me, church? Do you know how radical that was in the first century in Roman culture? To say that to women, it completely changed everything. And Paul just didn't talk about this, right? Paul backed it up with his actions. Philippians 4.3. Again, I'm going to go through these quick. You might want to write these down. Paul addresses a situation, and I won't go into the depth of what it is, but this is what he says about some women in the church of Philippi. He says, yes, and I ask you, my true companions, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Did you catch it? These ladies that Paul's talking about and this person Clement are not like subservience of Paul. Paul calls them co-laborers. They contended at the side with the cause of the gospel, which means they stood side by side with Paul in fighting and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that, men? Do you see how that works? Women are not supposed to be our servants. <laughs> they are to be Christ, and we are co-laborers with them. And then Paul, one more passage. Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy. And there's a lot to say about what Paul wrote to Timothy about the role of women. There's a whole bunch of directions I'm, I could go with this. But I guys, just for the guys in the room, I'm going to go to this one passage. 1 Timothy 5, verse 1. Paul is talking about how do we treat other people? What's our relationship? This is what he says. Treat younger men as brothers. Treat older women as mothers. And younger women as sisters with absolute purity. If I can just help you with this, guys, and guys, you want to write this down. This is important. Women are people to value, not objects to view. I'm going to say that one more time. Women are people to be valued, not objects to be viewed. They're not here for our service. They're not here to be neglected. They're not here to be abused. Women are people to value, not objects to view. Now, I have to pause here for a minute. I got a little bit of an elephant in the room that I've got to address, okay? Um, many of you know, <coughs> excuse me, many of you know that uh, I plan our messages out a long way ahead of time. 
Um, I do not wake up on Sunday morning and think, what am I going to preach about tomorrow, okay? I value my role as a pastor more than that and God's word more than that. So this is a series that I had planned several months ago. This message in particular, um, I knew it was Mother's Day, so I thought this would be a good time to put this in here. I had it planned, had it prepared, and then Wednesday of this week, I kind of basically go through and get everything kind of finalized, all the verses, all the points, all that stuff. I had that done. I got it set. This is Wednesday. And then I open up my phone. And I go to the press in Dakotan, and I read about a big story that's kind of all over our community right now. And if you're not from Yankton, if you're watching online or not sure what I'm talking about, there was a situation that happened in our community about some women and some sexual misconduct. And I'm not here to talk about that. I'm not here to debate that. I'm telling you this because as, as soon as I read that, this is a thought that popped in my head. <laughs> it went, oh, man. Because what I'm about to say, you'll understand in a minute. What I'm about to say, I went, man, I probably shouldn't say that. Because I don't want people to think, and right at that moment, God grabbed me. He goes, since when did I call you to tell about what people think? I gave you this message, Jeff, and you need to understand that you need to share this. And this situation that's all over our community right now is validation of the fact that we need to understand as men, and I'm talking to the guys right now. Ladies, you can still listen in. <laughs> but as men, followers of Jesus Christ, how are we to treat women? We are to treat women, to value women, not as objects to be viewed. Guys, can I just speak honestly with you? If you're looking at pornography right now, you are not valuing women. It is a cancer that scrapped our society. And I realize that women look at it too, I get it. But I'm just saying, guys, we need to be careful with that. We don't need to be careful with that. We need to get rid of it. We need to throw it away. We cannot continue to fill our minds with that kind of garbage. It needs to be gone. We cannot look at women in that way. And, and this is something that God's teach me because God teaches me the hypocrisy in my own mind, right? I said before, I just find it interesting how guys, and again, I'm talking to guys in the room. Ladies, you can listen in. Guys in the room will see a girl walk by, and they'll check her out, and they'll make all kind of comments and stuff about her, right? But then if they have a daughter or a sister, and, and one of their buddies says that about their daughters or sisters, guys, what do they do? Oh, you get all macho, right? I can't, I'm going to punch you in the face. How hypocritical is that? Because guess what? Every woman that you're objectifying is somebody's daughter, is somebody's sister. You with me, guys? And I'm going to tell you this, too. I said this before. I have two sons, and I have no daughters. But God has given me six nieces, okay? And my nieces, and I know I'm biased, and you can say whatever you want. My six nieces, they're knockouts, okay? They're gorgeous girls. I can show you pictures, okay? And why do I tell you that? Because about 15 years ago, God was working on this in my heart, Okay? And I realized, too, that although, like, if any guy would have done anything to one of these girls or said something or done something to her, I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I'd probably punch him in the face, okay? But that was the hypocrisy that God revealed in my heart. You with me, guys? You following with me? What did Paul say? We're to see every woman as our mother or as our sister. So why would you devalue them in such a way? Why would you do that? And, and I understand what's going on in our community right now and, and the frustration about that. Here's my real frustration, guys. And I've said this before. Again, you can go back to our sex series and listen to that. I cannot, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, be okay with the fact that women are exploited right on our main street every single weekend. And guys go in there. I can't be okay with that. I'm going to speak out against that. It's not okay. Now, I'm not vilifying anybody, and I'm not trying to put it down. I'm saying it's a cancer that's in our society. We need to cut it out, guys. Did you know Covenant Eyes has shared um, that 
$3,075.64 is spent online for pornography every second. Did you catch that, guys? $3,000, $3,000, $3,000, $3,000. Every second. It's estimated that 13 to $15 billion a year in the United States of America is spent on the sex industry. Guess what I just did? I just solved our economic crisis. <laughs> I just took care of inflation right there. How about we just take that $15 billion and actually help people with it instead of devaluing women? You with me, guys? And I'm telling you, you guys, I, I'm a little fired up right now, but I'm kind of holding back because this is something I'm so passionate about. As men, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to stand up and say, it's not okay. That is my sister. Stop doing that to her. And we need to have guys that are okay standing up and saying that. That's how we need to understand. Women are people to value, not objects to view. They are co-laborers with us in Christ. They are co-heirs to the promise of God. They are our mothers and they are our sisters. And guys, we can do better. So how do you view women? I want to talk to the ladies in the room, okay? <laughs> Thanks for sticking with me, ladies. Guys, you can listen to this part too as well. But I'm going to talk to my sisters in the room. And I always have to be careful when I do this because I always say I'm not one of you, okay? So please help me with this. And, and I give any woman in this room permission to come up and tell me later you're wrong, all right? I'm, I'm open to that. But ladies, how do you view women? And let's start with yourself. You know what I hear a lot from my sisters? I hear a lot from my sisters that I'm ugly. I'm fat. Not good enough. I'm failing if I can't keep my job, keep a clean house, keep my ha kids happy, keep my husband happy, have a husband, have kids, have a job. I'm exhausted. Ladies, is that really a little bit? I saw this picture, and I thought it was kind of a cool little, little illustration of kind of the struggle that sometimes I hear from my sisters. Let's go ahead and put it up on the screen. Uh, you get to pick two. You can either have your sanity, a clean house, or happy kids. You get to pick two, though. You can't have all three. Any ladies can relate to that? Any moms can? Okay. That's the heart that we have to go through. That's the struggle that we have. And when it comes to viewing other women, do we see other women as a competition? Do we see other women as a standard to be measured against? Do we look at other women to get validation for who we are? Ladies, how are we to view women? And, and, and in addition to the other passages I already gave you, those were for you too, right? You could listen in with the guys. But, but ladies, I've got two verses that I want to share specifically with you. Again, guys, you can listen in on this as well. Okay, but, but, but here's the first one, and, and before I say it, I want to go all the way back to the beginning of creation. Okay, God created the heavens and the earth. God created light, and God said the light was good. Then God created sky and water, and he said the sky and the water was what? What was it, ladies? It was good. Okay, you with me on this? What was the light, ladies? What was the sky and the water, ladies? All right, you're getting this, ladies. This is good, okay? Then, then God made the sun, the moon, and stars, and every planet in the universe, and he said it was what, ladies? Then God made all the fish in the sea, all the cute dolphins, all the little animals, and all the fishes, and he looked at him, and he said, they're what, ladies? Then God made all the animals on the land, all the cute little kittens and all the, the puppies, right? He made all the trees and all the mountains on the land, and he looked at him, and he said, well, they're what, ladies? And then God looked at man. <laughs> Genesis 2.18. The Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. If that doesn't make you smile, ladies, you haven't spent enough time with guys lately, okay? <laughs> right? God created all of creation, and he said, oh, it's good, it's good. And he took a look at man, man who was created in the image of God, and he goes, eh. <laughs> it's not good for him to be alone. 
I always point out at this point, don't miss this, church. Man wasn't alone. Man had God. Man had God in perfection, unity, and harmony in all of creation. And God still looked at that situation and said, it's still not good. I need to do better. And if you know the story, he went through all creation and all the animals come back. No, 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 that's not right. And then God said, you know what? I got a great idea. (laughs) And then he made woman. Ladies, how many of you have ever looked at a beautiful sunset and thought, man, isn't God amazing? But how many of you have looked in the mirror and then went, ugh, as if God didn't make both? Ladies, you are the perfection of all creation. You were not created to be a subservient to man. You were created because God wanted to do one better, and he created women. Guys, can I get an amen on that, all right? Man, ladies, you are beautiful. You are the culmination of all creation. You have tremendous worth. And the fact that in culture, and this is the elephant in the room we got to talk about with ladies, every culture that has ever existed throughout human history has been a male-dominated, male-oppressive society, including our own. Everybody look right here. The reason for that was because of sin. The reason why men rule over women is a direct result of the fall. And I wish I had time to unpack that for you, but Genesis 3.16, you can go look at it for yourself. That is the reason why women have been oppressed and domineered because of the fall. And our purpose as the bride of Jesus Christ to restore the creation that God had originally set up is to say that you are valuable. You are worth it. You are the culmination of all creation. Ladies, I got one more for you, okay? Guys, you can listen into this one as well. Did you know that women were a key part in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? And there's a passage that sometimes it just gets blown right through, but Luke 8, 3. Luke 8, 3. I'm going to read it to you. Joanna, wife of Churas, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. Did you catch that? There was a group of women who were with Jesus throughout his entire ministry. And they share that right there. Ladies, again, guys, you can listen in. Can you imagine 13 men traveling alone together, living together for three years without any female help, okay? How do you think that would have looked? How do you think that would have smelled? <laughs> how do you think they would have said, ta- you, you with me on this, ladies? Do you get a visual of how humorous this is? They come to a community. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they all look at them and be like, you guys need to take a shower. You're gross, okay? Do you know that women were a key part of it? But don't miss this. It was not just in a subservient role, because I think we missed this. Luke 3, 8 again. The women were helping to support them out of their own means. These were women living in a Greek culture, and if I had more time, I could unpack it. But they were wealthy women. They were financing Jesus' ministry or helping to finance Jesus' ministry. Do you understand how important that would have been? They're not just over here cooking the food and making sure the guys like wipe their butt, which is probably important to do, and I'm sure they did that too. They were actually financially supporting the ministry of Jesus. There's power in that. There's keys to that. That you are valuable to kingdom work. So ladies, I'm going to ask you again. When it comes to women, how do you view women? And for all my sisters in the room, guys, you can listen in. When it comes to ladies, my value comes from God, not others' view. 
So many times we can attach the value that we have to how other people see us. Can I get the approval of this guy? Can I get this guy's love? That's sin, ladies. You've got to have your value from God. And it's not your own view. It's not from your looks. It's not from your service. It's not from your parenting. It's not from your sexuality. Your value comes from God, and you are precious in his sight. You are a key part of God's kingdom. You are the culmination of all of creation. You are beautiful, both physically and spiritually. And if you see yourself in any other way, you're selling yourself short, ladies. Don't do that. So now we'll all come back together again. How do we view women? Men? Women are people to be valued, not objects to be viewed. They are co-laborers in the kingdom of God. They are co-heirs. We are to see them as mothers and as sisters, not as objects for view and pleasure. And if we got, guys, think about this. If we as a church just got this one thing right, if all of the men who said claim to be followers of Jesus Christ understood and acted out that principle, how would that change our culture? How would that change the conversations that are happening in our community right now? Because the thing that frustrates me most is that's kind of stuff's going on all the time, like I said. Why are, we, why are we so frustrated about one situation when it happens all the time? If God's church and God's men were to stand up and do that, how would that change? Ladies, your value comes from God, not other people's views. What if you looked around at other sisters in Christ and you're like, man, you're beautiful. Man, you're awesome. How can I support you? How can I encourage you? How would that change, God? We all owe a debt of gratitude to five girls that were Zell's daughters. And how they, in a moment of crisis, after losing their father, went to Moses, went to the church and said, how do we handle this? And Moses, in his infinite wisdom, went to God and said, how do we do this? And for the first time, we understood the value of human. We owe a debt of gratitude to Jesus Christ. I'm going to contend if you're a female, you should be a follower of Jesus Christ just for that very reason. <laughs> because of what they've done. All of the gains that we've made in humanity for the equality of women, we can point back in the history of Western civilization to a movement of Jesus followers who said, no, you're not property. No, you have human value. No, you're so much more than your sexuality. You're co-labors in Christ. And it changed the world. And I believe church, I can do it again because of the power of Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Jesus Christ and we are to live that way, men and women. And I just want to say as we're wrapping up here, if you're still struggling with that, and if you're from more of a traditional view of, of how you think women should vo volunteer in the church, what that looks like, I'm going to encourage you one thing to be like Moses. Take that before God. If you're struggling with that, take it before God. Because again, the kingdom of God establishes all people and the value of them. And when we get to eternity, church, when the wedding of the Lamb comes. Think of how beautiful that's going to be. And in that moment, I'm going to read the words of Apostle Paul again. There is no Jew, no Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. We are seeds of Abraham's promise. Church, let's just start doing that now. Let's not wait till then. Let's live as God's people. Let's pray. God, I am so thankful for the women that you have put in my life. Starting first and foremost with my amazing mother, who I love so much. 
and how much love and care and support she's given to me over the years and how grateful I am for her. God, I thank you for my two sisters. And I know sometimes we joke and we don't see eye to eye and we've had our fun over the years. But God, I thank you so much for all of the things that they've taught me and how much they appreciated me and and poured into me, God. God, I am thankful so much for my beautiful wife and for how much she means to me. How much you knew that when we came here to Yankton, it's not about us. It's about how we can reach these people. What a great blessing that she's been to our church and to our community. And Jesus, I smile when I think about those 13 smelly guys walking around Judea. And man, a lot of times those ladies don't get as much credit as they probably deserve. Yes, you were the face and they were the public part of the ministry, but there was a lot going on behind the scenes that maybe we don't know about. Same thing in our church. God, I thank you so much for my six beautiful nieces. How much they each one mean to me how proud I am of each one of them. And God, I got everywhere from 30 to 2 in ages, so it's been fun to watch them grow and and still grow and develop, God, and become the young, mature women that they need. And God, I pray that each one of them would fall in love with you and know that there's a God who created them, not as a side note, not as a subservient, but as the culmination of all creation. And Jesus, I rebuke any thought in this room or watch online that you are anything less than beautiful. God, I pray that every one of my sisters, when they look in the mirror, they would see the fullness of Christ. They wouldn't see what society teaches us or what culture teaches us or compare themselves to anyone else, God. They would understand how amazing they are. And God, I'm begging you. I'm not asking you. I'm begging you that we would be a church who would truly value all women and the gifts and abilities that they've given us and how we can equip and empower, how we as guys can protect them physically, emotionally, sexually, spiritually. And we would be men that would stand and say, it's not okay. We value women. And that we would have sisters in our church, God, who would stand by each other, who wouldn't be in competition with each other, any of those negative things that can come out, God. But we, God, I'm praying you would give us some more Zell daughters <laughs> who would just come and say, hey, I have a question. I, I just want to know, can I, can I step in this place? And God, that we would seek you just as Moses in his wisdom sought you and said, okay, let's walk through this together. God, I thank you so much for that. We ask all this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.